Hello, Wild Wanderers. For the second October episode, I wanted to stick with a Halloween theme. So today, I want to talk about some critters that may best be described as creepy crawlies. Arthropods that are maybe not explicitly associated with Halloween, but are still often depicted as, well, supporting characters, Halloween-adjacent, scurrying past in a cave or an abandoned house, or even through the empty eye socket of a human skull. I'm talking about centipedes and millipedes. While they don't usually prompt the level of revulsion and fear that's often reserved for spiders or snakes, their vaguely snake-like shape and multitude of legs give many people the shivers. So as the leaves start to fall from the trees and a chill creeps into the air, let's take a closer look at the crawliest of the creepy crawlies, centipedes and millipedes. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, and this is the Dispatches from the Forest podcast. So as I often do, let's first talk about the difference between centipedes and millipedes. We all know that centipedes have a hundred legs and millipedes have a million, right? Well, not quite. The words centipede and millipede come from the Latin words centi, meaning 100, and milli, meaning 1,000, plus pedis, which means foot. But centipedes don't actually have 100 feet, at least not exactly. When fully developed, the number of legs can range anywhere from 30 to 382, depending on the species. So fun fact, centipedes always have an odd number of body segments, and therefore an odd number of leg pairs. So it's actually mathematically impossible for them to have exactly 100 legs. And most millipedes have much less than a thousand, although one species has a whopping 1,306. The main difference between centipedes and millipedes is that centipedes have one pair of legs per body segment attached at the side, and millipedes have two pairs of legs per body segment attached underneath. Now, there are other differences between centipedes and millipedes, of course, but the number of legs per body segment is the easiest way to distinguish between the two. That said, the two are basically cousins and belong to the same scientific subphylum of Myriapoda, which, again, literally translates as 10,000 feet. There are around 16,000 species that belong to Myriapoda, and, well, they all have a lot of feet. Now, centipedes and millipedes have both been around for a very, very long time. The fossil record of centipedes goes back about 430 million years. Centipedes are believed to be the first group to branch off from the last common ancestor of all the myriapods. Centipedes were one of the first terrestrial animals and one of the first to fill a fundamental niche as a ground-level generalist predator in detrital food webs. Currently, there is about 3,000 species of centipedes that have been described worldwide, but it's estimated that there's about 8,000 in total. But I have to admit that I've never understood how we can know what we don't know, you know? Anyways, centipedes have a wide geographical range and are adapted to a wide variety of habitats, from tropical rainforests to deserts. They can even be found above the Arctic Circle. 
But within these habitats, centipedes require moist microhabitats because unlike arachnids or insects, they are much more prone to drying out. Because of that, they're usually found under leaf litter, logs or rocks, in loose soil, rotting wood, and in caves. It's also why they show up in your bathroom and in damp basements. Now, many species of centipede lack eyes, but others have a variable number of simple eyes which can be clustered together to form compound eyes, just like you'd find in insects. But these eyes are only capable of discerning light and dark. They don't have true vision. Centipedes also have antennae, but unlike the antennae of most other invertebrates, centipede antennae point backwards. Some groups of centipedes also have sensory structures called post-antennal organs. These are found at the base of the antenna and consist of a disc-like structure with a central pore surrounded by sensory cells. Their true function is unknown, but the best guess is that they're used to either detect vibrations, humidity, or light. Now, most centipedes are predators, using their antenna to seek out prey like slugs, spiders, flies, and other insects. The largest known species of centipede in the world, the Amazonian giant centipede, which can grow to be about a foot long, is also known to eat lizards, frogs, mice, and other rodents, and even birds and bats by catching them in mid-flight. Yikes! Like spiders, all centipedes produce venom. Their first pair of legs stretch forward and form a pincher-like appendage connected to venom glands. The technical term for these is forcipules and they are unique to centipedes and not found in any other arthropods. Forcipules are not true mouthparts, so technically centipedes don't bite, they sting. But the forcipules are used in capturing and holding prey and, of course, injecting venom. Generally speaking, centipede venom is not medically significant to humans. Smaller species of centipedes can't even break the skin. With larger species, much like a bee sting, a centipede sting can be painful and result in swelling. In rare cases, anaphylactic shock or other complications can happen. On a side note, in China, larger species of centipedes are skewered, then grilled or deep fried and sold by street vendors. As a treat, I guess? Seems more like a trick if you ask me. Mmm, centipede kebab. As predators, centipedes are adapted to moving quickly. Behind the head, the body consists of 15 or more segments. Most of these segments bear a single pair of legs, with the forcipules projecting forward from the first body segment, and the last two segments being small and legless. Each pair of legs is slightly longer than the pair immediately in front of it. That way, they don't overlap, which reduces the chance that they get tangled up with each other when they're moving quickly. In some cases, the last pair of legs might be twice as long as the first pair. In some species, the last pair of legs has a sensory function very much like the postantennal organs. Some are also adapted for grasping or for defensive use. Many larger animals will prey on centipedes, including birds, mice, salamanders, beetles, and snakes. In addition to their speed and venomous sting, centipedes can secrete defensive chemicals. Some centipedes can secrete sticky substances that also generate toxic hydrogen cyanide and benzoic acid from microscopic glands on their undersides. Other centipedes secrete this sticky substance from glands in the last two pairs of legs. 
Now, centipede species fall into five scientific orders. I'm not going to get into the specifics of each order, and I doubt that I can correctly pronounce the names of any of these orders. But the reason I'm telling you this is because in two of these orders, females lay single eggs, camouflage them in soil, and then abandon them. In the other three orders, females lay anywhere between 3 and 86 eggs, usually in the hollow of a rotting log. The mother centipede will then curl around the egg cluster in early hatchlings. During this time, she stops eating and grooms the eggs, presumably to remove fungi. Centipedes grow their many legs at different points in their development, again, depending on the species. Some species add body segments and legs with each molt. For example, when a house centipede hatches, it only has four pairs of legs. Subsequent molts will increase the number of body segments and pairs of legs to 5, 7, 9, 11, and then 15. They'll molt three more times without adding more segments and leg pairs before they reach sexual maturity. During these three molts with their full complement of legs, they'll develop other characteristics like more antenna segments, sensory pores, and eyes. This process is called anamorphosis. Other anamorphic centipede species may have only one phase, hatching with 12 leg pairs and adding three more with their first molt. Some of the largest centipede species don't display anamorphosis at all, but instead are what's called epimorphic. They hatch with their full complement of leg-bearing segments, ranging anywhere from 15 to 191, depending on the species, and they don't add more when they molt. The most common species of centipede you're likely to encounter living in North America is the house centipede. House centipedes are yellowish-gray and grow to be about an inch or an inch and a half long, and usually have 15 pairs of legs. House centipedes are surprisingly fast, reaching speeds of 1.3 feet per second, which, okay, that's less than a mile an hour when you convert it, and it doesn't sound that impressive when you say it that way, but for a one-inch-long arthropod zipping across your bathroom floor, that's pretty quick. Both the antenna of the house centipede and the last pair of legs are very long, longer than the body. In fact, the antenna and the last pair of legs look almost identical, so if you see a resting house centipede, it's hard to tell which end is which. This is actually a defense mechanism called automimicry that gives the centipede a better chance of escaping a predator. Like other centipedes, house centipedes prefer cool, damp places. Outside, they can be found under large rocks, piles of wood or leaves, and especially they like compost piles. In the house, they're usually found in dark or dimly lit areas like basements and garages, or in bathrooms because of the humidity. They're most often found indoors in the spring when they emerge due to warmer weather, and again in the fall when cooler temperatures trigger them to seek shelter from the cold. But they're not necessarily bad to have in your house. House centipedes eat spiders, bedbugs, termites, cockroaches, silverfish, ants, and other household arthropods. They're not aggressive, and they'll usually flee when disturbed. Sting attempts are rare unless the centipede is cornered or aggressively handled, and even then its small forcipules have difficulty penetrating the skin, so even successful stings produce only mild localized pain and swelling, kind of like a bee sting. The largest centipede in North America is the giant desert centipede. This centipede is found in northern Mexico and the southwestern United States, from New Mexico and Arizona in the west to Arkansas, Missouri, and Louisiana in the east. 
Now, it's called a giant desert centipede because of its presence in the Sonoran and Chihuahuan deserts and other arid and semi-arid habitats, but it's also found in rocky woodland areas like Arkansas. It remains underground on warm days and often emerges in cloudy weather. So, now you know how it got desert in its name, but what about giant? How giant is it? Well, the giant desert centipede averages about six and a half inches long and has been known to reach eight inches in the wild and even longer in captivity. For a centipede, I'd say that's pretty giant. They have either 21 or 23 pairs of legs, and they're one of the epimorphic species. They hatch with their full complement of legs, and they can live to be over 10 years old. Giant desert centipedes are generally nocturnal, emerging when the temperature is cooler, and hunt both invertebrates and small vertebrates, including rodents, reptiles, and amphibians. They're also capable of reaching into the air to grab small flying insects. A sting from a giant desert centipede usually causes sharp, searing local pain and swelling, but has never caused any confirmed deaths. With 12,000 named species divided into 16 orders and 140 families, millipedes, or scientifically, diplopoda, are the largest group of myriapods. But like centipedes, estimates of the true number of millipede species ranges from 15,000 to 80,000. Not many species of millipede are widespread. It turns out they're not very good at dispersing since they're relatively slow and depend on humid habitats. These limitations result in genetic isolation and rapid genetic diversification or speciation. So, many distinct species, but each one with a very limited range. Compared to their fast-moving predatory centipede cousins, millipedes are slow-moving detritivores. They eat decaying plant matter and fungi, although a small number are predators like their cousins. Because of their tendency to eat emerging seedlings, they can be considered a pest in the garden. Like centipedes, millipedes were some of the first known land animals. Some prehistoric millipedes grew to be over six and a half feet long and one and a half feet wide. That's a big millipede. The largest modern species of millipede, the giant African millipede, can get up to 15 inches. Sure, it's no six and a half feet, but that's still a pretty big millipede. On the other end of the spectrum, the smallest millipedes are only about a sixteenth of an inch long. Millipedes can have as few as 11 segments, up to over 300 segments. When threatened, a millipede's primary defense is to curl up into a coil, using its hard exoskeleton to protect its legs and other vital areas. Most millipedes can also defend themselves by secreting a variety of chemicals from pores called ozopores along their body. Some of these defensive compounds have antifungal properties, useful for a critter that lives in moist, humid environments. Some of these substances are caustic and can actually burn the exoskeletons of ants and other insect predators and the skin and eyes of larger predators. Now, here's something I find really fascinating. Primates like capuchin monkeys and lemurs have been observed intentionally irritating millipedes and then rubbing those chemicals on themselves to repel mosquitoes. And hornbills have been observed using crushed millipedes to line their cavity nests in trees, probably to avoid mites and other infestations. How cool is that? In some species, the chemicals that are produced are poisonous. For example, Sierra luminous millipedes, which are endemic to certain mountain ranges in California, actually produce cyanide. 
Interestingly, they're also blind and, as their name suggests, they glow brightly. In fact, they're one of the few known species of millipede that display bioluminescence. Now, you would think that a glowing millipede would live in caves, but they actually don't. They're found in live oak and giant sequoia forests and meadows. These millipedes are nocturnal, and their bright glow seems to serve as a warning to nocturnal mammalian predators that eating them may result in becoming an ex-mammalian predator. The head of the millipede is typically rounded above and flattened below, with a pair of large mandibles in front of a plate-like structure called a jaw lip. Now, there's a scientific name for this structure that I'm not even going to attempt to try and pronounce. The head also contains a single pair of antenna with seven or eight segments and a group of sensory cones at the tip. Many millipedes also have postantennal organs like centipedes. Millipede eyes, if they even have them, consist of several simple eyes arranged in a group or a patch on the side of the head, although seven out of the 16 scientific orders of millipedes have no eyes at all, and only two of those orders are cave-dwelling. Millipede bodies can be flat or cylindrical and are composed of numerous segments, each with an exoskeleton made up of four chitinous plates, a single plate on top, one at each side, and a plate on the underside where the legs attach. The plates are typically impregnated with calcium salts, which makes them hard. Like centipedes, they can't regulate their water loss, so most species need to stay humid to survive. The first segment behind the head is legless and known as a column, Latin for collar. The second, third, and fourth segments have only a single pair of legs each and are known as haplosegments. The rest of the segments, from the fifth to the very end, wherever it may be, are called diplo or double segments because they are formed by the fusion of two segments, which is why they each have two pair of legs. In some millipedes, the last few segments may be legless. The final segment is called the telson and is, well, it's the millipede's butt. Common species of millipede have between 34 and 400 legs. Now, despite its name, no millipede was known to have more than 1,000 legs until 2020, when the E. Persephone millipede was discovered in Western Australia. This millipede escaped detection for so long because it lives underground. It was found in drill holes living at depths between 50 and 200 feet. Now, it's relatively long, over three and a half inches, but thin, just four one-hundredths of an inch in diameter. Unsurprisingly, given its subterranean habitat, it has no eyes and it has unusually thick antennae. E. Persephone has between 198 and 330 body segments and up to 1,306 legs, making it not only the first millipede known with over 1,000 legs, but also making it the world record holder for most number of legs of any creature on Earth, crushing the previous record of 750 legs. Female millipedes lay between 10 and 300 eggs at a time, depending on the species. Some will deposit their eggs in damp soil or organic detritus, but some build nests lined with dried feces and may protect the eggs with silk cocoons. In most species, the female will abandon the eggs after they're laid, but some will actually provide parental care for the eggs and the young. Eggs hatch in just a few weeks and typically have three pairs of legs followed by up to four legless segments. They're anamorphic, adding legs and segments with each molt until they reach their full complement of legs. Some will actually continue to molt after reaching full maturity, even though they don't add segments, 
and most species will eat the discarded exoskeleton after they molt. The lifespan of a millipede ranges between 1 and 10 years, depending on the species. Okay, so now it's time for my favorite millipede. My favorite millipede is the American giant millipede, also known as the iron worm. This millipede is the largest in North America, and although it falls well short of the 15-inch length of the African giant millipede, it can still grow to be about 4 inches long. They can be found from the east coast, west as far as east central Texas. Why are they my favorite? Well, the first one I ever saw was near Shreveport, Louisiana, but I found them pretty regularly when we lived in Omaha, Nebraska. When I was working at Fontenelle Forest Nature Center, I even had two that I kept in a terrarium so that I could use them for educational programs. Like other millipedes, American giant millipedes will curl up when threatened, but they can also secrete an irritating brown, foul-smelling liquid. While I never had this happen to me when handling these millipedes, I did see it happen to a young child who grabbed one. This liquid can irritate the skin and eyes, but it normally just causes a brown stain that's known as millipede burn. American giant millipedes are usually found in or under rotting logs, where they help break them down. They burrow into rotting wood or on the ground by picking up sediment grains with their mandibles and using their legs to pass them along their body segments until they deposit them at the end of the body. Depending on the size of the burrow and the quality of the soil, this process can take anywhere from five minutes to an hour. Burrows can be used as temporary or permanent shelter and to escape dry or cold surface conditions. Molting is almost exclusively done in burrows. Like most millipedes, American giant millipedes are detritivores, feeding at night and primarily consuming decaying wood and leaf litter. They've also been found eating deer scat and fresh fruit, two great tastes that go great together, and actually prefer these when given the choice. They spend daytime in their burrows, which is why they're hard to find and seldom seen during the day. Females lay just one egg, fertilized with sperm she stored during an earlier mating, in a nest made of chewed leaf litter and excrement. The female millipedes will wrap herself around the egg and brood until it hatches several weeks later, producing a millipede with seven body segments and only three pairs of legs. After hatching, the young millipede is on its own. American giant millipedes reach sexual maturity at one to two years and can live to be over ten years old. Okay, one last thought on millipedes. With all those legs, watching them walk is absolutely mesmerizing. Millipedes walk using something called a metrochronal gait, which means that their legs move in a traveling wave. Each leg only lifts when the leg behind it is on the ground and in a position to support the millipede's weight. The wave starts from the back as the hind leg lifts and is transferred forward as each leg lifts in turn. Watching it is very relaxing. And that's where we'll end this creepy crawly episode. Thank you as always for listening. Don't forget to leave a like and subscribe. If you like what I'm doing and you want to help support future episodes of the podcast, please consider becoming a patron. You can do that at patreon.com forward slash dispatches from the forest. You can also follow Dispatches from the Forest on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes can be sent to me by email at dispatchesfromtheforest at gmail.com. I'm your host, Tim the Nature Nerd O'Hara, reminding you to go outside and get dirty.
The Dispatches from the Forest podcast is a production of Dispatches from the Forest and may not be used or rebroadcast whole or in part without express written permission.